three weeks in the summer of 1974 changed the trajectory of volleyball in Alberta forever. It happened in a little mountain town, cradled by the Canadian Rockies. It's where the very first Jasper volleyball camp took place and continues today, fostering the sport and its community. We'll find out how it all got started on this episode of Voices of Alberta Volleyball, a 10-part podcast series exploring how volleyball grew to become a popular sport, who contributed to its success, and the challenges overcome along the way. To tell this story, we're hearing from local pioneers in the sport, people who lived and loved volleyball to its place today, in schools, on beaches, and at sporting events. Episode 3, Trajectory Change in Just Three Weeks. It was the year that the Rubik's Cube was invented. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. The same year U.S. President Richard Nixon was forced to resign after the Watergate scandal. The movies The Sting, The Exorcist, Blazing Saddles, and Godfather Part II were released this year. And so was the first extraterrestrial message sent from Earth out into space. It was 1974. That's the year that the head coach of the men's volleyball squad at the University of Alberta, Hugh Hoyles, launched the Jasper Volleyball Camp a sports development camp to teach volleyball skills to teen players and adult coaches, with the hope of raising the standard of both volleyball play and coaching in Alberta. But 1974 wasn't when he got the idea. That happened three years earlier, 1971. The year he went to the town of Winfield, out in interior British Columbia, close to Lake Okanagan. It was there he attended a volleyball sports camp. Went to a camp out in British Columbia called the Winfield Volleyball Camp. It was put on by the BCVA, the British Columbia Volleyball Association, and uh, they had some guest coaches there. But I wanted to bone up on volleyball. I wanted to be a little more technically qualified. And I said, you know what? We need something like that in Alberta. Hugh took this idea to the folks at the Alberta Volleyball Association. He also ran it past some local coaches. Everyone thought it had serious potential. But who would coach? How would it be paid for? Where would it be held? You guessed it. Hugh wasn't daunted by all these unknowns. He figured he could get it organized with the help of friends in the sport. Hugh set right to work, reaching out to others. Warren Sawula, who had been coaching volleyball at the U of A and had organized a volleyball camp with Hugh there, remembers. Hugh wanted to take it someplace else, and we were able to make a contact. Hugh knows better than I do, but some uh, contact with a fellow person in Jasper. That fellow was the recreation director out in the mountain town of Jasper, Alberta. His name? Jim McCormick. Hugh knew him from playing intramural hockey together at the U of A in the 1960s. With Jim's help, Hugh was able to connect with the Jasper High School a place to hold the training sessions, including outdoor sports fields, which would be converted into volleyball courts. Errol Miller remembers the setting fondly. You know, it was very inspirational. Uh, like, the setting itself was uh, wonderful. To be able to go out on these uh, outdoor courts, the mountains as a background, elk and deer and other wildlife are around, you know, have, have lectures uh, in a 
shady grove at the foot of a mountain, lectures and audiovisual things uh, inside. The school would also be where the campers and coaches would sleep. With pillows and sleeping bags brought from home, the different classrooms would become makeshift dormitories. Thanks to the contact at the town of Jasper, Jim McCormick, Hugh was also put in touch with the Royal Canadian Legion. That's where all the meals would be prepared and served three times a day by the Legion Women's Auxiliary, led by Anne Seeley. Mrs. Seeley to most everyone. Okay, so they had a place to hold the camp, but how were they going to be able to pay for it all? The space rental, the equipment, the food, the coaches, everything. And all the while be able to keep it affordable for everyone and anyone who wanted to come. Hugh got creative. First off, he heard about a funding program being offered by a local brewing company. A company called the O'Keefe Brewing Company came up with a, with a program called the O'Keefe Sports Foundation. They put money towards amateur sport to either send people away to other countries to bone up on a particular sport or to bring in coaches. There was one coach in particular. Lawrence Sawula explains. Hiroshi Toyota I was able to make contact with and then you followed up and we got him to come to Canada. Hiroshi Toyota was one of the premier volleyball coaches in the world at the time, with Japan being considered one of the authorities on the sport. The Japanese, as we all know, are very meticulous when it comes to sport. They still have the best fundamentals in the world. They're, they're very keen on fundamentals. And this was perfect for high school and junior high teachers who wanted to be a volleyball coaches so they could learn things like they never thought about footwork or, or how you move toward a ball or just, like, or just hit the ball kind of thing. Remember, the Japanese men's national volleyball team were fresh off their Olympic gold medal win at the 1972 Games in Munich. And Hiroshi Toyota was Mr. Volleyball in Japan and uh, we invited him. It was really, really interesting because all these little Canadian kids out at the camp had never been exposed. They heard about Japan winning a gold medal and they were going to be coached by a Japanese coach. And uh, we said we, we got enough financing from O'Keefe to look after him for eight months. Now the Jasper Volleyball Camp didn't last eight months. Instead, Hiroshi Toyota shared his knowledge all across Canada, all the way to the Maritimes. He ran volleyball seminars, clinics and workshops and would end off at the Jasper Volleyball Camp. Cor Auerkirk then coach of the Red Deer College women's volleyball team, remembers the importance of Hiroshi Toyota's guidance. And I thought he was great. Like he gave us updated techniques and everything else, explained them very well. I thought they were much more appropriate for our girls' teams than some of the things that were in existence at that particular time in Alberta. We introduced those kind of things to our team, and so I really liked the Japan approach. Longtime volleyball official, Harold Morey. Having the Japanese coaches come to Jasper, I think it was a very strong point in forming how Alberta volleyball has gone today. I'm, I'm really glad that the Alberta volleyball was able to do that because I think that, that set a pace for us. The rest of the coaching staff at the Jasper volleyball camp was made up of varsity volleyball coaches and players who Hugh knew. But they weren't going to be paid. The deal was that they'd get a free trip out to Jasper with room and board included. And lots of people took Hugh up on the offer, as it seemed a heck of a great way to spend a few weeks in the summer. But truly, no one was getting paid. Hugh volunteered all of his time, too. Now, there's a volunteer cum laude. Former UFC volleyball coach Bob Bratton. What a phenomenal volunteer that guy was. And is. Okay, so coaching was all sorted out. 
As for equipment, Hugh was able to borrow nets and volleyballs from the U of A and other local schools. Posts for the nets to be strung up from were made at a nearby farm. Volleyballs, nets, and gear. Check. Now to get the word out about the camp. Hugh and his wife, Bev, applied for a grant from the Alberta Volleyball Association to help pay for printing and mail-outs. With that money, they were able to make up and print out posters and application forms. That was in the early months of 1974. They posted and delivered the materials to junior and senior high schools all across Alberta and beyond. Available were three one-week camps that summer in July. The first week would be a five-day clinic for coaches and potential coaches. The next two weeks, five-day camps for players. And the response was really something. 85 coaches and more than 150 players applied. The Jasper Volleyball Camp was a go. I think the Jasper Camp also was part of the leveling the playing field in the province. Howard Rasmussen remembers how it attracted players and coaches from all over the province. Kids who came from distant places, whether, you know, Medicine Hat or Milk River or Bow Island, uh, coaches would come to the coaching camp from Bow Island, Tabor, McGrath, South, and they, would, they, they wanted to learn more about volleyball. And Jasper was a place to do that. If these clinics had only been held in the cities, uh, the urban teams would have, would have dominated or been the only strong teams. But somehow that Jasper camp helped level the field. It spread the word of volleyball. Lee Goldie, who was coaching volleyball up in Grand Prairie at the time, remembers too. But back then, in the, the mid-70s, there were actually a lot of people coming to coaching volleyball that, that didn't have much volleyball background. We were coming, like I was a basketball, baseball, hockey player. Um, even a guy like Hugh Hoyles, his background I think was baseball and hockey. Um, so many coaches coming in just didn't have much experience. And, um, and I would say probably the majority of coaches that, that started back then were in that boat. There weren't that many that had really played volleyball at any level. So, you know, the sport part, like coaching a team and so forth, was fine. You can bring that from other sports, but the strategies and tactics and skills you had to, had to learn. And learn they did. Camp participants would show up on the Sunday, get registered and do physical testing to find out about their jumping abilities, flexibility, and knowledge of the sport. Starting on the Monday morning, there was always a morning run each day of the camp. Jim Day remembers one run in particular. Uh, we, we took our dog one, one summer, and in those days I had, my knees were still uh, functioning, and we, we ran and ran and ran and ran for a cut three or four kilometers. The different people took the lead. Somebody led us over this, gosh darn, I, I'm trying to be careful with my language here, this uh, a monkey bars and kind of a, an upside down bowl. And, and you were expected to run up this one side and run down the other side. And my dog was following us and he ran up to the top of the thing and then he choked. He couldn't come down the other side. So somebody said, somebody stop and get Jim Day's dog out. After the run would come breakfast followed by on-court instruction, fitness activities, and classroom lectures on strategy, rules, and technique. To give the athletes and coaches a rest, 
the Wednesday afternoon would be spent sightseeing. Campers could pick to hike Moline Canyon or a trip up the Sky Tram. Hugh felt it was important to appreciate all that Jasper had to offer and give the campers a well-deserved break. The final day of the camp was the World Championship, where teams would apply all they'd learned throughout the week in a camp-wide tournament. The coaches' camp was a bit different, but much was taught and learned. With the undeniable success and popularity of the 1974 camps, it was decided they were not going to be just a one-time thing. It would become a yearly event. But there was one year that the camp didn't happen. It was 1976. When Hugh Hoyles went to run the volleyball section at the Olympics in Montreal, he made sure to bring along the coaches he'd worked with in Jasper. In 1977, the Alberta Volleyball Association and the U of A officially joined up to run and fund the camp. This included special rates for the use of the varsity volleyball equipment and a 17-passenger van. Guest coaches came from all across the globe. There was Mitko Dimitrov from Bulgaria, Bill Neville from the U.S., as well as Mr. Akimoto and Mr. Ikagaya from Japan. In 1978, the first paid position with the camp was created. That was thanks to a grant from the provincial government. The seasonal position helped with the administration of registrations and all the many logistics. This role was filled by Gary McPherson that year. By 1984, the University of Alberta decided to step away from the camp, not because it wasn't a success, but because they wanted to focus on running sports camps in Edmonton. So the Alberta Volleyball Association took over the organization and running of the camp completely. That same year marked Hugh Hoyle's final year with the camp. And uh, I was associated with it, I believe, till about nine, for 10 years, 1984. By that point, many people were invested in the camp and its success. Hugh was ready and willing to pass it on. And it worked, as the camp still runs today, staying true to its legacy of raising the standard of both volleyball play and coaching in Alberta. It still goes. There's still the opportunity for young players to improve their skills technically, but there's still a camp for coaches. And if nothing else, I think it's it really helped the development of volleyball in Alberta because we had people who came out there who didn't know anything about volleyball, and I can remember two or three coming up every year and saying, you know you, I can go back now, and I'm gonna be, I've been asked to coach the volleyball team at X junior high school, and uh, now I figure I can do a, a fairly decent job. As I say, the, the camp still goes to this day, and uh, the format is still basically the same. the story of how the Jasper Volleyball Camp came to be and its influence on the sport in the province. Told by the pioneers of the sport here in Alberta, just one of the 10 stories explored on the Voices of Alberta Volleyball podcast. Next time, find out how gender played as the sport developed in Alberta. Music featured on this episode by James Pants, the song Manahoon Dance. We also heard Bugle, performed by the U.S. Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. This Volleyball Alberta History Project is generously supported by the Alberta Historical Resources Foundation and the Alberta Lottery Fund. A special thanks to Joelle Reiniger for getting this project started, conducting the interviews, and compiling the history 
which this podcast is based upon. Thanks for listening to Voices of Alberta Volleyball, presented by the Provincial Sport Association, Volleyball Alberta.